Hello and welcome to another episode of the No Notes Podcast. My name is Morgan. I'm JD. And this week we are talking, as always, about a very special topic. Mm-hmm. Animated movies. Yeah. Animation in all of its forms and all of its beauty. Let's start off with types of animations. Well, yeah. do you, Before you like looked into any of this, like let's say like a few years ago, did you know like the different types of animation? Like do you think the regular person distinctually like is like, ooh, ooh I only want to see this, like a 2D animated movie or a 3D animated movie? That's fair. That's a great question. You know, I think, um, and I'm sure we'll talk more about this as we get into the podcast, but animation a lot of times is strongly associated with kids you know it's like animation is a children's medium and a lot of children's stories are animated you know we grow up watching cartoons on cartoon network and disney channel uh and all my finney and fur peds out there know what i'm talking about (laughs) um you know we grow up watching all the disney movies all the dreamworks classics you know uh, all the madagascar heads out there know what i'm talking about (laughs) And so I think I'm always aware of the animation style just because, you know, from a young age wanting to watch movies all the time, I was aware, like, these things look different than the other things. You know, the Pokemon TV show looks different than Gravity Falls, which looks different than, you know, X other show that's 3D animated. And, like, you you can pick out the differences without, like, you know... So yeah, I think um, people are generally aware of the differences mm-hmm. because like the, the, each of the styles are so unique and so special. And like I think about just to keep talking about TV, and this is a movie podcast, <laughs> but like, the Amazing World of Gumball was a show I watched as a kid. You ever watched that one? Yes, yes. Which combined all sorts of animation styles into one show, and so that was like playing on all the different styles as as one unique thing, which is really cool. Yeah, I think when I was a kid as we're talking about TV shows, um, Cartoon Network, um, Adult Swim occasionally. So this was like my introduction to animation was like um, the Flapjack show. He was like a pirate um, and like a few weird like Adult Swim ones. And Oh yeah, I thought you were going like Courage the Cowardly Dog. Yes, Courage the Cowardly Dog. So I grew up like terrified mm. of animation specifically really? 2d animation mm. i hated it it scared wow. me so much um and since then i really never liked animation until i started going to school for visual effects and wow. like learning more about it and then i obviously got way more into it but um because i also wasn't like like 3d animation i was fine with i watched um the barbie animated movies every night before bed of course and you know all the disney movies you know being a kid whatever um but i think um as i went to school for visual effects i learned a lot more about like the actual types of animation you have 2d animation which movies What's a 2D animated movie? Um, think of like Sleeping Beauty. Yes. Uh, you know, if you want to go back in the Disney Any vault, old Disney movie. All the old Disney or, two, or mm-hmm. 2D animated. Or like all the old, um, like an American tale, 2D animated. Yeah. I think a lot of traditional anime is also 2D, going to be 2D animated. Oh, yeah. Like Princess Mononoke or Howl's Moving Castle. Mm-hmm. 
This is all 2D. It's like it's, yeah, it's two-dimensional. Yeah. You know, the things are, even though they have so much life and creativity breathed into them, they are flat. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they're hand-drawn. You see the lines. Like if you go back and you're just thinking about Sleeping Beauty, you can see the lines that were drawn by the artists. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, looking at hand-drawn animation that's done on computers, like something like Aladdin or The Lion King, mm -hmm. you still see a lot of the outlines. So, yeah. Hand-drawn and 2D to me kind of go hand-in-hand. Yeah, which um, is crazy because, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure people still do it, like, for aesthetic hand-drawn 2D animation, but it's definitely not popular <laughs> anymore yeah, now that there's yeah. much easier ways to do it. I mean, I guess it's still, like, it's still drawn. You're still, like, on it. It's just digitally drawn. Yeah. Um, but if you think, like, um, you know, if you go back to the 1930s, when Walt Disney was trying to make Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, the first ever feature-length theatrical animated movie, they had to draw every single frame and every single layer of oh, every yeah. single frame <laughs> and then take a picture of it yep. and then add them all together at like a film strip. Yes. It was an incredibly elaborate and expensive process. Yeah. But at the same time, like just knowing the sheer artistry that it took to, to create something like that, you know, it was kind of, it was like early, the earliest form of stop motion animation, you know, yeah. it was like all of these hand-drawn stills with like a background layer and a foreground layer all piled on top of each other and mm -hmm. then compiled, you know, to tell a story. It's, yeah. it's, you know, animation is, is difficult, but like going back through the history of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's only gotten easier. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird that it's only gotten easier. It's still so time consuming. Oh yeah. Which comes in a 3D animation. Oh. <clears throat> 3D animation is like all of the our classics, not the Disney yeah. classics, but the the early two thousands. You got mm -hmm. Shrek, yeah. um, uh -huh. Finding Nemo. Yeah, uh, my all time fave, The Incredibles. Oh yeah, is like yeah. A, the one I think of. <laughs> that was the movie that when I was a kid I just watched over and over again. I yeah. did not stop watching The Incredibles. Um, and almost every movie nowadays feels like it's three D. Um, like all frozen and after I feel like has mostly been 3d um, yeah. there's there was a huge jump in technology uh, maybe like I don't know in 2010 yeah that so made it easier you that... think like it was the 90s when Pixar comes around you know mm. you got Steve Jobs is here at the forefront of this new technology and they're making all these short films like the one with the lamp or the one with the toy soldier some of you guys oh, out there yeah. might know what I'm talking about. And it's it's really kind of ugly and gross. And you can tell <laughs> that they're really struggling to figure out this new technology. And then Toy Story comes out and it's totally revolutionary. It's like the most revolutionary animated film since Snow White. Because it's feature length, an entirely new kind of animation. Oh, yeah. And in a lot of ways, you know, Disney's in the middle of their animated renaissance at the time. Um, DreamWorks hasn't really gotten off the ground yet. Like, you know, and here we have this whole new style of animation that's going up toe-to-toe -to -toe with The Lion King and, and The Little Mermaid that are coming out at the same time. And then Pixar becomes a giant in their own right before they're bought by Disney. Hmm. And now, like, Disney has subsumed Pixar <laughs> and, like, as part of their thing. Everything else. And then now Disney decides, all right, we're going to transition. We're going to make 3D animated movies like hmm. Tangled and Wreck-It Ralph and Frozen. Hmm. And all the while, DreamWorks... The former CEO of DreamWorks, Jeffrey Katzenberg, was like the ex, you know, like Disney's, you know, ex-boyfriend, basically. <laughs> he was scorned at the company and left and went to go make his own company to do 3D animation to try to make everything better than Disney, yeah. which is why he made Shrek, which is like a really spiteful, as great of a movie as Shrek is, it's like yes. spitefully poking fun of <laughs> Disney classics, you know? 
Which and somebody had to. Somebody had to. It's, somebody had to take I always the think about, like, man, if Disney and Pixar wouldn't, like, the, I'm glad they're successful. A lot of things have come from it. But if they wouldn't have been as successful as they were, there would be so many other companies that could have been making yeah. movies in this time. And I'm like, man, I feel like we missed out on so much of it because nobody made animated movies. It felt like. Right. I'm sure they're out there. But yeah, <laughs> other but like, than Disney and Pixar. For our whole lives, basically, I and mean, we're in our 20s, like Disney and Pixar have been running the show and DreamWorks has been, you know, in like a distant second. Yes, yeah. Uh, but... The transition from 2D to 3D has really like taken over the marketplace, and now everyone else who is trying to make animated films, pretty much, is making 3D, like Sony Animation mm-hmm. or Illumination, who are yeah. two new, bigger names in the 3D animation thing. Like Illumination does this big cool with me, Sony does the Spider Verse. Oh yeah, you know, and, and all these guys are out here doing their own really cool, unique things, but mm-hmm. it's all 3D. Um, and then stop motion. Yeah. Can't forget about stop motion. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> I always like think of it, I ever think of animation, I think technology, and then stop motion, I just think like... Um, Analog. Yeah. <laughs> Some weird guy in his basement, you know, like making the thing. But it is um, incredible. Talk about like hard animation. Stop motion yeah. blows my mind every time I see it. Oh man, yeah. Even with how much like... You know, they use like green screens in it and stuff now where it makes it easier and it moves the process along and they can um, paint things out easier. But even then, it's it's a it's a work of love. Yeah. (laughs) Cannot do it without the love. Yeah. Stop motion is crazy. It's it's the closest thing we have to live action in animation. Mm. But if you look at, you know, going Fantastic Mr. Fox or Isle of Dogs, shout out Wes Anderson. Uh, Go check out our Wes Anderson episode. (laughs) Or are you, you're familiar with Leica, right? The people who make Coraline and yes. Paranorman. This is a, this Leica is another super interesting studio because the founder of Leica is the son of the CEO of Nike. Oh. And Leica has made like five or six movies by now, and almost all of them have lost money. But they keep making new movies because Nike is funding this yeah. animation studio. <laughs> and so, if you like Coraline, or if you like you know all the movies that Leica makes. Um, you know, keep keep buying Nikes, basically. <laughs> uh, because if you look at the classics in stop motion, I mean, what do you think? Like, Night Before Christmas is yes. the big one that comes to mind. You know, these movies are incredibly tedious and time-consuming. And it seems like a lot of times, because they're so tedious and so expensive, they lose money, which is why people don't make a ton of stop-motion animated movies. Yeah. Unless you're Guillermo del Toro or Wes Anderson nowadays, you're, mm-hmm. or, or the son of the Nike CEO, you're probably not getting your movie made in stop yeah. motion. But it is an absolutely incredible art form as well. Oh, I love it. Um, the uh, Did you hear the story about the, the kid who made the stop motion for Spider-Verse? Yeah, in Lego, right? Yes. Yes, yeah, I saw he, that. He had... He, I don't remember how they found him. I think on YouTube or something. He was creating stop motion with Legos. And it's that's what I love about stop motion is because all of this other... I, I guess 2D is the same. Um, but like 3D animation, all this stuff, it takes so much software technology, yeah, all this stuff to get sure. behind it. But like stop motion, you can be a 12-year-old kid with a camera and some Legos and that's you can true. make like a masterpiece. And that's literally what he got to do. And yeah. that story... Almost made me cry. I loved it. Like when I was twelve, <laughs> so cool. I was making stop motion movies with my Legos, and they were not near <laughs> yeah. that good. You know? Yeah, they were like, it was pretty amateurish. Um, all right, so we went through all the styles: two D, three D, stop motion. There's probably a few more in there, but those are the three main ones. Yeah. Um, let's go into style. Which style of any of these 
is your favorite? Mm. I mean, this could just be some recency bias, but gosh, like, I don't know what you really classify it as, but the new, like, 3D mimicking 2D style that we've seen in Spider-Man Into and Across the Spider-Verse, the Mitchells vs. the Machines, um, from what I've heard, I still haven't seen it, the new Puss in Boots is like this, Uh, the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is this style, whatever they're doing, like... I mean, they're they're switching up the frame rate and they're putting these hand drawn lines over three D figures. Mm. Um, it's it's bold, it's vibrant, it's unlike anything I've seen that's come before it. What makes it so good is the fact that you know it's building off of everything that's come before. You know, you've got beautiful three D animation in Finding Nemo and Wall-E. You've got stunning two D animation in you know like Disney classics. Uh, you've got really cool stop motion animation, Nightmare Before Christmas, Fantastic Mr. Fox. And it's like taking all of these bits of animation and, you know, like kind of meshing them together. Yeah. Um, and I, I wish that there was like an exact term for it because it is 3D animation, but it has like a, a 2D look and feel to it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm that style is very new and I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I agree. Um, I do really like um, stop motion especially tim burton's like corpse bride and nightmare before christmas frank and weenie you ever seen that one yes yeah um those might be my favorite like styles just because i Mm -hmm. love halloween and um it has the little nostalgia behind it of course but obviously the the new the new look of all the the what you just mentioned is stunning and crazy and overstimulating and i love it in the best way in the (laughs) best way yeah i know i have uh i mean i've seen it into the spider-verse so many times by now i've seen mitchell versus the machine several times oh yeah i am anxious to see more original stories like of the five or so movies that have had this style the mitchell's versus the machines is the only one that's not based on some sort of pre-existing ip and so i'd really be i'd really be excited to see new original stories use this style of animation yeah which i'm under the impression maybe it's just because it's new that it is not easy to achieve that look and um i follow one guy on twitter i don't know his name but um maybe i'll put him in the description he (laughs) shout out whoever you are yeah he works on the spider-verse movies and he tweets about like this shot we did this and this and this and this it's really interesting i think i've seen him um yeah he He's great. He, uh, but I'm under the impression from that and just what I know about animation that it's pretty difficult to, especially yeah. for a whole film. So it would be great to see like individuals be able to do it, but I don't know how soon that will be until it yeah. gets a little easier. Or yeah, um, but and I how, can yeah. tell you what I'm style I'm not a fan of. Yeah, is. 3D animation with the sole purpose of looking like a live action movie. Oh, Shout interesting. Out Disney, the like, everyone's like the live action Lion King. It's an I, animated movie. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, it's it's so just an bad. ugly animated movie. Yeah. The photorealistic style. Yes. I think, yeah. You could I call hate it. it. I, yeah. I think it could work, but it needs to work for something that it works for. I didn't yeah. watch. Um, Oh, I guess that's not really photorealistic. I was thinking um, 
the the one with the snail that came out with the annoying voice. <laughs> Marcel the snail. Marcel the shell. The shell. Yes. <laughs> I haven't seen it either, but I loved those. I loved those when they were YouTube videos. Yeah. Um, I guess he's not photorealistic, but I was trying to think of something maybe a little bit that would work for photorealistic animation. I mean, it's but... Disney are really the only ones doing it, but they did the Lion King, they did the Jungle Book, and in all yeah. of the other ones, like the new Little Mermaid that just came out, they have the photorealistic yeah. crab and fish. I just can't comprehend why that's better than it's well just it's animating. it's not better you know because so let's we can go into 2d animation here one of the great qualities of animation in general is you know the personification of inanimate objects or the personification of animals mm-hmm. because when you're just looking at a crab you know it's just a crab like it doesn't have any human characteristics or features uh and the same thing would be true of the crab i think in the new little mermaid just based on what clips i've seen from the internet but what's great about the crab in the little mermaid animated film is the expressive eyes and the sort of way that they you know i was gonna say anthropomorphized but personified the yeah, body yeah. you know <laughs> uh because they took a crab and they kind of made it to where you could tell it's a crab he identifies himself as a crab but he has these human features that allow you to really relate to him and connect the eyes the nose the mouth mm-hmm. i'm thinking again about the lion king right like the the creation of these animals in like you know a personified form allows for a really strong connection to be made because that's how yeah. i think how our brains are wired and when disney takes the lion king and makes them look like real lions yeah we like them we think they're cute maybe we think they're cool looking because lions are cool <laughs> but there's not a human element there to connect to it's like watching a nature documentary yeah and when you try to have them singing songs you know with like in the in the lion king 2d there's these beautiful vibrant gorgeous colors set to the backdrop of these songs and when you have the lion king 3d it's like a desolate sahara (laughs) landscape you know that's just so focused on being photorealistic that you lose all of the magic and so i didn't mean to go off on a tangent but i agree i think it is animation that is lying about being live action and i also think it's ugly and it's not cool to look at yeah that would be like making a live action movie to look animated, but mm. it being worse than animated movie. Yeah. It's just such a weird concept. It's such a weird concept. And but, like, I just, I also, quite frankly, don't understand in most every case the need to live action an animated thing. Yeah. Like, you were talking about One Piece off mic. Netflix is doing One Piece in live yes. action. Yeah. And I don't know, I've seen. They've ruined every anime out there. <laughs> like, I've only seen one episode of the anime, but already I can tell that something's missing. Yeah. You know, because the the vibrancy and the style that, you know, One Piece the anime has, again, from not, like, not a, an anime fan, <laughs> like, I've, I can appreciate what they're doing here. And yeah. you're just stripping all of that away by trying to transition it to another medium. Yeah. Uh, and I just, frankly, think it's... It's like the same conversation we had in our musical episode, go listen to that one, about... If a story is written to be an animation, it's going to be a better animation than it's going to be a live action. That's what we're saying. It's the same about musicals. If it's written right. to be a live performance, it's not going to be as good in a digital performance. So true. Um, yeah. But, but I th- Sorry. Go ahead. I think this comes down to, and I, I don't mean to like I keep skipping ahead, but I think this kind of comes down to the fact that a lot of people don't super value animation as a valid medium oh, yeah. you know like what's the Guillermo del Toro line 
point. Animation is not a genre. It's a medium. Yeah, exactly. Guillermo del Toro, you know, made an awesome Pinocchio movie. Couldn't have said it better mm. if I tried. Because you're right. Like, if a story is crafted to be animated, and that's the best vehicle for telling this story, that's a medium of storytelling. But a lot of people treat animation, letterboxed, sorts animation, as if it's a genre. You know, it like... <laughs> And almost like as if it's a genre made for kids, and like not yeah. one deserving of of you know high art status. Oh yeah. And so I think because of that, a lot of studios or studio heads will take advantage of the fact that oh, this is a thing for kids or for families. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, animated movies are designed for kids, designed for families, but also live action movies can be. And yeah. they'll write off animation as a whole when they don't need to. Yeah, it's the it's it's the age old fight of. I'm going to draw a photorealistic apple and in the Renaissance era and and then someone taking a picture of it and being like, well, why would you take a picture of the art? But why are you trying to make the art look realistic? Mm. And then, um, you know, brand new like pop art style coming out that's just like weird and everyone's like, you can't even tell what it is. Why would I want to look at that? It's, it doesn't even look like a person. <laughs> it's not yeah. supposed to look like a person. Yeah. It's, it's like, just the same thing happening again, but in a new medium. <laughs> not, I feel like we're a little bit getting into like, you know, why make art philosophically? Yes. Um, but, you know, it's like, yeah, like, I mean, is there is there more beauty in Marcel Duchamp's new Descending the Stairs than there is in the Mona Lisa? I don't know. Like, you know, one is really weird and like Dadaist and and really like kind of inscrutable. And one is just like a picture of a lady, but it's a beautiful picture of a lady. It's an incredible portrait and it's deserving of the acclaim, you know, not like they're, they're different interpretations. They're different mediums, you know, they're all with, they're all within the medium of a painting. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that, you know, every painting needs to be photorealistic and every painting needs to be absurd modernist. Yeah. Because they don't. You know, like, modernist art has a place and, you know, like, renaissance art has a place and, you know, how realistic or how non-realistic you want to be, that's artistic interpretation and then you, as the viewer of the painting, can decide, like, I think this is good, I think this is bad and you can sort of wrestle with the meaning from there. In film, there is animation, there is live action, there is, you know, a bunch of stuff in between. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's not that, you know, one needs to be a certain way. It's just that studios have seen that you can make money by making your animated movie in live action and you don't have to come with anything original. You can just do the same thing over again and spend a bunch of money and make a bunch of money and so it's okay. I went off on a tangent again. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) So that's where it's landed. But how do you think we got here? How do you think everyone our age and older, it seems like, feels like animation is for children Mm. the obvious being disney movies rule the world yeah and they are made for children yeah and they're marketed to children yeah and they were the only ones making animated movies it felt like for a very long time and everyone after that knows that that's how they can make money off of it it's true and so it just continues to be a genre of kids films yeah i mean if you want to go back to you know walt disney part of his whole philosophy was making things that families could enjoy together and so he wanted to make things that would appeal to kids and adults Mm. and 
at some point along the way, appealing to kids and adults just meant appealing to kids while adults are, you know, passively entertained. Mm. Um, and there exists some great animated films recently that I think are enjoyable and challenging for both kids and adults. But a lot of people, I think, have taken that, you know, wanting to appeal to kids as appealing exclusively to kids. And so even though the animation might be beautiful, maybe the story's a little simpler. Maybe the jokes are more juvenile. Maybe the themes are less complex and challenging. <laughs> you know, uh, Which, even when it's not, it's still tagged as like a kid's movie. Like, you're right, yeah. I don't know, maybe like WALL-E is kind of right in the middle of these yeah. two things. Where like it is, I guess, made for kids, but it's very tense subjects. It's yeah. not loud or funny it's very somber the whole time i mean there's a few like like, cute parts but it's it's got it's like a silent film romance at the beginning and then it's a little sci-fi you know like kurt vonnegut like questioning i think that was like like, my movie that i watched as a kid and didn't really like that much and then watched as an adult and liked much more and Mm, yeah the beginning of the the switching of wow animation is good <laughs> yeah i i so my parents took us to see wally it's one of the first i think it might be the first movie they took us to see in the theater uh-huh. and i remember crying my eyes out because i thought wally died at the end mm. and so i never wanted to watch it again <laughs> um, and then several years ago i finally did yeah um i think like you know i was probably like a teenager uh and was just blown away by how not only how beautiful the animation was, but also by how mature the story was, by how engaged I was with the story. Um, but there's also enough there to appeal to kids. Like I, I remember enjoying it and being clearly emotionally invested enough to cry when oh, I thought yeah. Wally was gonna <laughs> die. Um, and so I think yeah, they towed the line well. A lot of those sort of early-ish Pixar movies did that. Like Ratatouille uh, had you know a lot of has a lot of more grown-up themes despite being a kid's movie about a rat that you're done it's not a kid's movie not a kid's movie kids themes is what i meant to say yeah like themes that can appeal to kids about you know pursuing your dreams and you know and how you could do something even if it seems impossible and so these are themes that appeal to kids but also resonate with adults in addition to being you know really beautifully animated and having kind of a more mature tone mm. pixar before they really became disneyfied had a lot of stuff like that. Like, The Incredibles has a lot of adult themes. You know, like, deals with infidelity and marital strife in a way that I didn't pick up on when I was a kid. I was just like, superheroes, my (laughs) kid! And then I watched it as an adult, and I'm like, oh, like, this is such a compelling story. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I I think I kind of lost my point there, but... um, And also, I'm talking a lot. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. It's good. Just, yeah, I think, like, to sum up what I think I'm trying to say... Uh, people just kind of stopped doing more challenge. At least mainstream Western animation stopped doing uh, challenging things in their movies by and large. Yeah. Um, there are a few examples here and there, like How to Train Your Dragon. Um, but for every How to Train Your Dragon, there's four Despicable Me's. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there, for every Into the Spider Verse, there's you know eight Kung Fu Pandas. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think it just, it comes down to, it was marketed towards kids, and the adults had to sit through it, and now those adults are like 50 or 60 and probably don't love movies that much, (laughs) and 
they just don't want to watch animation um even if it has nothing to do with it um which i see the same thing when it comes to like um like anime like japanese anime Mm -hmm. um it really is just like it's just an animated cartoon but you say anime instead of a cartoon and like everyone's whole mind shifts of like Mm -hmm. i would never watch an anime but like i'll watch phineas and ferb whatever like if you're talking (laughs) it's just it's it's how it's marketed it's what people know and um it's really hard to not see it as a genre because yeah. they're and it, I think the separation of it like it is so obvious like animated and live action look very different um and so it's really easy to put them in their boxes and make them different um and it just stuck on yeah you're right and um, it's unfortunate but also I think you're right like in marketing and in production studios have kind of fed into that yeah not always, but but sometimes. So then I love to get into the gray areas of the mesh between live mm. action and animation. Yeah. I'm talking Avatar. Mm. Okay. Um, Motion capture movies. Yes. Performance capture is mm. what James Excuse Cameron me. likes to call okay. it now. <laughs> Big Jim, please forgive me. I know you're listening. <laughs> um, Things like uh, Roger Rabbit, uh, Marcel the Shell, um, Space Jam, yeah. a classic. Um, I think these movies always do good. Yeah. I think they're so fun. Um, and they are not made often. Uh, it's definitely not easy, like, even just, like, having to act with something that is not... Um, Alvin and the Chipmunks yeah. <laughs> is a great example. Honestly, I, my mind kind of went Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah, Two of yeah. the primary characters in that are motion capture CGI yeah. creations. It's expensive, and it's hard to do, and you gotta, like, act with people that are used to acting with CG elements and things, but yeah. um, I love them. I want to see more of them. Um, I guess... With visual effects, you could kind of say like any movie with visual effects is kind of like that, but yeah, it's like, very, it's very a obvious. Visual effects producer yourself, you know, yeah. yeah. What's your take on that? I think it's just, I mean, everyone like I don't know. I like whenever there's characters that are both live action and animated, um, or like uh, Mary Poppins mm, was yeah. one of the first to do this. When, what a great example. Um, they like go into whatever dancey world they're yeah, in. They I've, jump into the chalk world yeah, and there's penguins and And they're dancing with them and it's so cute and I love it. I think it's just like a happy medium. Um Yeah. And I feel like too these films are even if they're considered children's films, you know, Space Jam, Roger Rabbit, and Mary mm-hmm. Poppins, they have a lot of appeal across generation because it's almost like the live action gives them some legitimacy, I don't know, to some yeah. people. Um but yeah. I don't know. Um, so live action, animation, the good, the bad, the pros and cons, what do you think animation does great and doesn't do great? Like if you're comparing it to any other medium, what is like, if I was going to make this kind of story, I want to make it animated because animation like does this well, or it doesn't do this well. Yeah. I mean... Gosh, in the hands of, of talented animators, I'm like I'm beginning to become more and more convinced that there's pretty much nothing you can't do. Um, to use a, a, maybe a crude analogy, I'm like 
animation is Minecraft creative mode, right? <laughs> yeah. Live action is Minecraft survival mode. Exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, in survival mode, you are limited to what's around you. You can find things, you can excavate, you can build, you know, but like you're you're forced to kind of deal with the elements that are around you. And sometimes you got to fight some monsters too. Yeah. When you're in creative mode, you control where the monsters go. <laughs> uh, and you also have access to every single element in the game. You know, and a lot of times creative mode is a lot harder. And sometimes I don't like playing creative mode, you know, because I have to put a lot more work in to get the thing that I want. Yeah. What animation does well, it, it opens up the creativity exponentially. And it gives you access to every element that there is. Oh, yeah. You know, like, you can personify a chair. You can personify a rabbit. You can create an entirely new creature that no one's ever really seen before that's based entirely from your imagination. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times in animation, you can use, you know, color and design in such a specific way to enhance the emotion of the scene that you want and you can kind of concoct shapes and colors that you might not be able to get if you're shooting something live action yeah and with live action you can you can do a lot of these things with visual effects um with cg but i think the disconnect the difference between the live action doing something crazy like sci-fi or something and animation doing it is with animation you can literally do anything. Mm -hmm. But when you're working with live action, you can still put in aliens, you can put in all the crazy stuff, but you have to, you can only do it as much as makes sense to match with what, whoever your main actor is. Yeah. And you have to like, you can put an alien in, but he still has to be able to interact and be in the same lighting as the person also in that scene. But with animation, I mean, it, none of it matters. Like you can literally do whatever you want. Yeah. And like, I'm trying to think of if I think there's anything that animation doesn't do well. And I think it really just comes down to, you know, who are the storytellers? Who are the creative people involved? Mm. Um, Because, yeah, like, maybe, you know, when you're watching an animated film, it's possible that it could lack some of the real, you know, heart and connection that we as humans feel for other human performers. Mm. But I think really talented animators would be able to create feeling for really talented storytellers would be able to create feeling for you know like in the lego movie yeah you feel for these little brick people <laughs> when they're animated and when they're in live action you yeah know? um because you feel the emotions of the kid behind them uh and so i don't know if there's really anything that it, it doesn't do well i think it's more like you have unlimited creativity how are you using it yeah. You know, would this have been better suited for live action? Maybe. Could you have done the same thing in live action? I don't know. Yeah. I think um, maybe. I would love to see the actual statistics on this, but I feel like um, getting that you look into an incredible actor's eyes and you can just know what they're feeling because you are both human and you see that and there is a connection yeah. that's there that you can get in animation, but with how much extra work to get there versus like just having a good actor stand in front of a camera. So maybe you lose a little bit in timing. Um, if you're really trying to like, the whole goal is to just get that one feeling that you can get from an actor. Um, and maybe that just comes from the stigma of 
animation and like you really do feel that way it just feels like you have a better connection with humans which i'm sure is true but i could be convinced otherwise <laughs> yeah i agree like I'm, i it seems like that would be the true thing you know yeah. you would you would connect more you know impl- implicitly with another human because mm-hmm. the emotions that actors are able to convey under good direction with a good script you're gonna feel a lot more but it doesn't mean that i don't feel the emotions for wally exactly. you know mm-hmm. who is a robot with a f- couple human characteristics and features but a, you know more limited vocabulary yeah. <laughs> at the hands of talented animators i still feel for him maybe i don't know yeah i, I think you're right like you know yeah. there's something to be said for just truly incredible acting mm. but also there is truly incredible voice acting amy poehler and inside True. out you know um the two leads in your name like just to oh, give yeah. like bonkers good performances and and i felt more emotion watching your name than in most other like any other movie i've watched this year <laughs> you know so yeah it's definitely possible um but i do think there is people out there who definitely prefer live action um, and I feel like what I, what I get from most of those people, which I feel like I'm one of those people. If I have a choice between live action and animation, I almost always choose a live action movie. Um, maybe because it scarred me as a child might have something to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but not proudly. I almost always would choose a live action over an animation. Um, and I think part of it is just like familiarity and, um, all those boring things inside mm. of a box that just work for people, older people especially. Um, yeah. And there's definitely nothing wrong with it. But yeah, um, you know, I think about the like formally daring animation is mm. kind of a, a big thing. You know, people really resonate with Spider Verse or Puss in Boots because they're so different from the norm. Oh yeah. Like I think I mentioned this at the beginning. Like you know, the, the reason this new age style is so appealing is because it it takes what we know and does something new with it um maybe people just kind of get tired of the same old same old after a while maybe there's a reason that when pixar came out with stop motion or not stop motion excuse me when pixar came out with 3d (laughs) animation it was such a phenomenon not that you know 2d animation was stale necessarily but people might have been tired of the same old same old and you know we're constantly finding new ways to create and innovate in film you know a lot of times it's the next innovation that's going to inspire a lot of people yeah and i think that's where it kind of gets the the genre feel a lot is you do have all of this creative freedom it's hard to not use all of it yeah where it's like watching spider-verse i'm sure as an 80 year old woman is extremely overstimulating and that's, confusing that's and yeah. i know even my husband who is not an 80 year old woman <laughs> does not enjoy watching spider-verse because the frame rate is weird and he just doesn't like it and like fair enough <laughs> it's weird to watch and it's confusing and it's kind of hard to watch and um a lot of people who aren't used to watching especially i see this a lot with like japanese anime it's harder to know which characters which especially if you're watching it in a language that you don't speak True. <laughs> uh, which is the reason i haven't seen the new spider-verse because he wanted to see guardians of the galaxy because it wasn't animated <laughs> like spider-verse and i'm maybe still a little bit bitter about it <laughs> um, but there's definitely there's pros and cons to both live action and animation but animation definitely gets the bad end of being thrown into like children's film don't want to watch it um yeah so if you're one of those people this is your chance 
to change, to open your mind to the world of animation. Yeah. What would you say are like the best animated films to watch for someone who maybe isn't as into animation? Um, I think animated movies that I generally like to watch with other people that aren't children's movies is... I always choose anime. Um, I love anything by the Your Name director. I can't remember his name. Makoto uh, Shinkai? Yes. Your Name, Suzume, Weathering With You, all of those are incredible, um, especially for introducing people into Japanese anime. Um, I think they're they're like a really safe version of it. They remind yeah. you a lot of just regular animation. Um, I love the Lego movie. Yeah. That's an easy one. Like, there's not a person on this planet who would not enjoy the Lego movie? And I'm so sorry if you're that person. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the Lego movie, the first one, is is, is just so phenomenal. Yeah. In the way it, yeah. <laughs> I feel like some favorites of mine. The Incredibles, probably my all-time favorite animated <laughs> movie. The Spider-Verses, we've already talked about to death. The Prince of Egypt is, oh, an, yeah. also, is an incredibly beautiful 2D animated movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of my favorites. Um oh. Ponyo, Ponyo, Princess Mononoke, anything Studio Ghibli is an easy buy-in. Yeah. So Morgan's got the East covered. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Western-wise, I think, you know, going back, if you want to watch something old and great, Disney's Pinocchio from 1940 Ooh. holds up. Um, I also think that Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame is pretty solid. It's a gorgeously animated movie. It's super fun, super compelling. Um, and Ratatouille, Tangled are both other or two other Disney classics, um, and yeah, and then I give DreamWorks the love with Prince of Egypt, and you know what? The new Super Mario Brothers movie is pretty good too. Oh yeah, I would definitely show someone Puss in Boots, The yeah. Last Wish, the new one, not the old one. Yeah. <laughs> that movie just blew my mind. Um, I think that movie was the movie that made me want to make this podcast. Yeah. I was like, I watched that movie and I was like, oh man, I it. love animation. <laughs> it's coming to Netflix later this month and I'm going to watch it. Great, great. I, I can't wait. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. So that's what we love. Um, animated movies are great. We love them. Can't wait for anything coming out i'm much more likely nowadays to go out and watch an animated movie when it comes out yeah um i mean we already had suzume and across the spider-verse this year yes um i know we have a new disney movie called wish coming out later this year that i've seen stuff for that seems i mean more or less like your typical disney but it could be good we have the (laughs) teenage mutant ninja turtles oh yeah i'm excited for that that seems like it's gonna be really cool coming out in august so yeah, there's there's some good animated stuff on the horizon, it oh, looks yeah. like. Yeah. Alright, so shout out to all the animators out there. We love you guys. We love you guys. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. Go out there, watch some animated movies. Tell us what you think. We will be on Instagram at no notes underscore podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, and our Letterboxd account are linked on Instagram. We will see you next week. See you next week.